As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss... U.S. Olympic athletes, actually relevant right now. Uh, also adult film stars and sportsman drag racers. Big Jed, <laughs> how are you, sir? Luke, I'm well. I'm well. It's good to be back with you. I've missed a little bit. Uh, had a lot of stuff going on, and, and you've had some shows that didn't really need me, but uh, here we are. We're back and uh, talking about a lot of good stuff. going to talk about uh, a really cool new partnership that's happening in the sportsman drag racing world and we're going to talk about foot brake stuff which is mm. you know i mean that stuff should come to the front of the show but you know it'll get in where it fits in but nonetheless it's going to be a fun show a lot to a lot to discuss a lot on our mind yeah we got a lot of good stuff today i i will say this big jed you uh you picked a, a rough time to miss i don't know if you got a chance to listen last week's show with greg stanfield was a doozy like i hate that you missed that one that is one impressive dude yeah, I hate I missed it, too. Uh, I've obviously seen a little bit of feedback on social media, and I think uh, people are absolutely loving it. I uh, said it was a wonderful show, and uh, I have not had time to listen, but I'm definitely looking forward to it when I get to. To your earlier point, big show on tap for the listeners today. We're going to be joined by Mr. Rob Mosier of Mosier Engineering to un unveil uh, the announcement that we've been teasing for a couple of days. This is exclusive to our podcast listeners. Um, to be completely frank, um, I don't know if this is news that would make the podcast if I wasn't the co-host, but you know what, if you're going to get bent up about that, host your own podcast, uh, we have Rob <laughs> on great discussion, follow that up with, uh, yeah, some foot break talk, some hot button issues in 
the Footbrake community and I guess the, the Bracket community at large. So we share some thoughts there. And then we'll wrap up the show with the one, the only Miss Ashley Thompson. Ashley has headed up our driver series once again, and she will close the show with a little update as to uh, the 2022 version of the thisisbracketracing.com driver series and how you can get involved. So big show on tap, big Jed. But first, a jizzle for Rizzle. Well, again, uh, guys, uh, obviously you're you're back here with us at the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed, and you know we we teed this up a little bit in the intro, but we've got a big announcement. And when I say we, I, I'm more talking about Luke and a marketing partner that he is joining for the 22 and 23 season, and we happen to have the head chief at Moser Engineering, Rob Moser, with us tonight, and we're going to discuss this with Luke and Rob. But these guys are making a huge announcement. And right now, it's exclusive to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast audience. We'll make an official, or these guys will make an official announcement next week. And you'll see it on social media. And there'll be a, a lot of good, uh, good chat going on about this. And you'll, you'll see a lot of information about it. But as far as this announcement, you're hearing it here first. Moser Engineering and Luke have partnered, and it's a big-time partnership. Moser will be the major marketing partner on all of Luke Bogacki Motorsports team vehicles in 22 and 23, and I mean all of them. It's going to be Luke Supergas Corvette Roadster, his championship Corvette Roadster, if you will, Jessica's Supercomp Dragster, the Family Vega, which we know is a, a dime piece in itself, and my main man, Gary, is going to get his junior dragster covered in uh, Moser decals as well. And this is going to be really cool to see Moser and Luke team up for 22 and 23. And, you know, these guys will be racing everywhere and obviously in every class. And uh, the, the, the Bogackies are excited. Obviously, we're about to talk to Luke and Rob about this. And they're, they're joining a list of incredible Moser representatives uh, within Sportsman Drag Racing. The Cummins family, as we know, has had a long relationship with Rob and his business. Danny Waters Jr., Jason Lynch, and Mia Tedesco, and now Luke Bogacki Motorsports is joining the list. Luke, Rob, great to have you guys partnered up and, uh, and getting this information to our listeners first and foremost. Uh, you know, I, I probably didn't do a great job of really discussing this but this is a huge deal and you know it's going to give Moser a, a presence within the NHRA sportsman categories that you you might not have had otherwise so teaming up with Luke was a great move for you guys Rob and, and Luke's certainly going to be good for you but first and foremost Rob thanks for joining us tonight man we really appreciate you giving us some time to discuss this and other topics. Well, thank you, Jed. I appreciate you uh, appreciate you having us on the show, and and obviously we are extremely excited to have Luke and the whole family join our team. Yeah, you uh, you obviously teamed up with the whole group, and uh, man, what a group you got, Luke. Uh, obviously, you're you're here every week, so we know you're here to discuss this. But really cool for you to get to talk about your relationship with Moser, which has been a long relationship, but it's certainly coming to a new level for 22 and 23. And I know you're excited because we've, we've talked about it quite a bit. Well, first and foremost, Jed, thanks for having me on. You're welcome. You interviewed me uh, a little while back, so this is kind of like the same thing, but only different. But, uh, but uh, honestly, uh, I know you're excited, man. This is a really cool deal for you and the rest of the family. 
No question, man. It's uh, it is an honor and a privilege to uh, to be aligned to, to have the opportunity to represent Mosier Engineering, the Mosier family, their sixty five plus employees, and uh, I'll be honest, man. Like it's a it's a no brainer on our end for a number of reasons. The first thing that comes to mind is obviously we're familiar with and and very aware of the the quality of products that comes out of Mosier Engineering. I mean. I think uh, I've used Mosier products exclusively for like 20 plus years. Um, I don't, I was trying to think this through the other day and I don't, I don't think I'm exaggerating or, or, uh, or, or speaking at a turn. I'm pretty sure every race car that I've ever owned, you know, for two plus decades now has run on Mosier axles, which is pretty incredible when you sit back and think about it. In addition to that, like Mosier has always been a company rooted in our former competition, right? Sportsman drag racing. They built their reputation on a two-day turnaround, like break an axle, have another one, a couple of days, right? They, people want to go racing, obviously, as soon as possible. You add that to continuous contingency program involvement for, I mean, as long as I can remember, uh, specialty programs like the Mosier Axle Mania set up between IHRA and NHRA over the years. Uh, obviously Jed, as you know, involvement in nearly every major bracket race across the land. And then you combine that with their longtime support of individual racers that you talked about and really high character people that I look up to the Cummings, um, Danny Waters, Jason and Mia. And then I think most important for us was just the alignment of values within the company and our own, right. And, and how confident I am in that Mosher is a family run operation and the culture there, like, obviously it starts with Rob and his family, but I was just there last week and it, it extends way beyond the top. Right. And you can tell that it's just infiltrated and threads through every, through the fabric of the entire organization. It's really cool. You can feel it just walking around the building and the Mosers are racers, man. So like they, they understand what we're going through. Like they, there was no, I love the freedom that we've enjoyed the last couple of years in racing to basically go where we want to go, do what we want to do. And they have expressed it every step along the way. Like that won't change. You, you go do you, you know what I mean? So that trust and that commitment, it's uh, yeah, it's the alignment is awesome. It does sound like quite the perfect relationship. And, you know, obviously you're a champion drag racer, uh, Moser's top of the line products in the markets that they serve, and uh, you'd be you'd be hard pressed to find anyone in in the the arena that Moser lives in every day that has been any more generous to the racing community than than Rob and his business. So you know, it seems like a natural fit for both of you guys to be together at this level. But Rob, I, I'll ask you. And I'm sure the reasons are obvious, but I still would love to hear your take on it. Why Luke? Well, I mean, we, you could you can go anywhere you want to go and, and attract anyone you want to attract. What was the draw to Luke himself? Well, so a lot of it is is the reasons you know you guys just discussed a little bit. It's our our and um, obviously Justin and I are out there racing um, from time to time, and you know what a lot of people don't know is. Two, two of my other kids, um, Jordan and Lindsay, both work both work at, in the shop with us. Uh, my youngest, Max, is planning on coming back when he gets out of school. So, I mean, we are absolutely a family-run operation. So, when when we look for somebody to work with, um, 
family and values is what we look at first. And, and you can't find anybody better than, than Luke and his family to, uh, to represent us in that way. And I mean, the other part is, like he said, uh, Luke has been a long, long time supporter and user of our parts. And uh, I mean, he's even been involved in, in doing some R and D and some testing with, with some of our new stuff through the years. I, th I think he might've been one of, if not the first person to, outside of uh, myself and Justin to put a set of our brakes on, on a car when, uh, when we first started coming out with those a, a number of years ago. So he's been, uh, he's been instrumental in, in some of the new things that we've come out with through the years. And, and it was just a, an absolute natural fit um, for, for what, what we were looking for and what he had going on. And it, it was just perfect. Yeah. Again, I hate to keep harping on it, but it does seem like a perfect marriage. And for you, obviously you're represented by a, a champion drag racer and we're not here to, to toot Luke's horn by any means, but the facts are the facts. He, he's raced at a championship level for a long, long time. And you've been with him for a long time. You're just taking this relationship to a whole new level, but you know, somebody with the wide variety of products that Luke has in his, in his racing arsenal, I guess it's also a testament to your products. I mean, it really, he truly does represent pretty much everything you can offer someone from the, you know, a high level, fast, fast cars to your typical Saturday night special, if you will, the Vegas far from that, as we know, and then on down into the junior drag racing league i mean really you couldn't have found anybody i don't think that's going to represent you in a wider range than luke and his family oh i i absolutely agree he he literally puts his hands on nearly everything that we can possibly make in the racing arena so it uh you know like you said from from fast cars to um index racing cars to junior dragsters i mean he's he's got all those and that's what we do yeah, no doubt about it. So I definitely would like to hear from both of you on this, but uh, Rob, you, you just finished discussing some things for us. So Luke, I'll go to you first. You know, obviously you've had a long relationship with Rob and the folks at Moser, but how did this relationship and this next level come about? Yeah, you know, time, I think Rob would say the same thing. Timing is a, is an interesting thing. Like I, I know that this is going to sound cliche, um, but we weren't actively pursuing like a, a major partnership. And I think our, our listeners would understand that. Like we're at a, reached a really happy place with our racing. And again, we're um, going to go where we want, when we want, be to our own drum and, and not have anybody to answer to. Right. Um, but the opportunity with, with, to align with Mosher Engineering, it's, it's unique because of the comfort and the familiarity that I, the, the trust, I think that I discussed before. And, and that's just the timing was perfect. Like some of their key guys are kind of transitioning out of NHRA to focus more on big dollar bracket racing. And we're just, we're as a family, we're in a season of life where NHRA racing makes a lot of sense and we really enjoy it. And we were going to, to pursue that this season and, and next season, most likely um, regardless. Right. And Mosier more or less had a, had a vacancy to fill in that arena and we were ready to step up and kind of fill that role. And it's kind of funny, I say timing is an interesting thing, like this is coming to fruition now today, but this is something that we've talked about, you know, collaborating on, on some level off and on for nearly a decade now. And we nearly did it several years ago in retrospect. Now, I think it's obvious, it, certainly on my end, that 
we're in a much better place to, to deliver and make this worthwhile for, for Mosier Engineering. And I think, uh, I don't want to put words into Rob's mouth, but I think that they're in a better spot too. So it's funny how things come together just at the, at the right time. Yeah, I'm sure that the timing was key to this. And, and certainly you and I have discussed off air that you were not actively pursuing a major partnership. But at the same time, you're always open to listen. And, and Rob and his team kind of brought this forward as well. Rob, for you, what was your angle on how this came about? What, what led you in this direction other than the obvious stuff that we've discussed prior? Well, that, very similar to Luke, and it, it, it was a it was a timing thing. Um, had it been up, you know, entirely up to, to Justin and our, our marketing director, Jeff Anderson, we would have done this probably about 10 years ago. I know that was the first time we ever discussed it with Luke, but at the time, uh, the Cummingses were actively involved in NHRA racing and, and, and so were Justin and I, and it kind of just didn't, it kind of just didn't make sense as much as we wanted Luke to be on the team. It just didn't make sense because we were all going to the same places and, and kind of covering the same territory. And, and now that, you know, some of our teams are, are transitioning into, into, you know, other, other events and, and other uh, groups and places to go race, you know, we, we absolutely had a hole and, you know, I don't know, I, I don't really feel like we were actively seeking to fill that hole right away either, but it was kind of a, a thing that we, we knew in our mind, if, if the right thing comes about, we'll be ready to go. And it just so happened that, uh, that the right, the, the right thing and absolutely the perfect thing came, came about and fell into our lap. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And definitely happy for both sides here. I know both sides are going to get a lot of value out of this partnership. And uh, again, you know, Luke is, Luke is a racer, but he is the, the closest thing you're going to get from a racer standpoint to a guy that is educated in your products and can not only say, yeah, Moser is the place you want to go, but here's why. And here's the parts you need and the pieces you need to come out here and be competitive and get the durability and longevity that you need to, to compete for a long time and, and get the most bang for your buck. So Luke's definitely going to offer that for you and your company, Rob. Oh, there's, there's no doubt. And if, uh, I mean, our, our parts are made to last for a long time and to make a lot of runs and, and Luke, Luke certainly makes a whole lot of runs. So there there's, you know, there is an absolute, he can test, uh, I guess, testify that they, they are good. And if they, uh, if they'll work in, in Luke's cars, then, then I'm, Pretty confident they'll they'll last a long, long time in anybody's. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, Luke, obviously, this has to change your racing plans a little bit. I would think, just my simple mind, the way it works. But it does it, and if it's if so, how does it? No, no, um, it really won't at all. <laughs> uh, I, like I said, our, our focus coming in was was on the NHRA series once again. We had this harebrained idea to to take this. 10 week racing trip slash family vacation slash homeschool journey. We were going to do this regardless. Now it's, it's going to be cool. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun now to, to debut at Pomona with Mosier engineering on the side and number one on the scoop. But in terms of where we're going in terms of our emphasis on racing, no, not much has changed at all. We've just got a tremendous partner to kind of come along for the ride. Yeah, you'll just uh, obviously have a, a, a another a company you're representing on another level. So as far as where you'll go, I'm sure that won't change a bit. But 
hopefully it changes uh, what happens at the races. Hopefully we're going to get a lot of people coming your way and wanting to know about this partnership, what they don't know about it, what they don't learn through this show or social media. And uh, obviously the mission here is to make sure that we create awareness for Rob and his great team at Moser. Uh, again, uh, such a giving and generous company and making top-notch products. If the folks that are listening to this show, if you're not, uh, if you're not with Moser, you're doing yourself an injustice. Um, Rob, you and Justin obviously are going to be doing a lot of racing yourselves. Uh, you guys are super competitive on the racetrack and you, you don't just represent your brand, you're, you're a competitor, you're out here uh, you know, trying to get wind lights. So what do you and Justin have planned for 2022 and even beyond? Well, that, that is pretty kind of you to say that, that we're competitive because we're, we're trying, <laughs> we're, we're, we're working at it. We, you know, obviously we, we did the NHRA stuff for, for probably 10 or 12 years. And uh, when we transitioned over and decided that, you know, the kind of like Luke, Luke talked about earlier that the schedule and the NHRA side of things fit his family schedule with a, it just kind of got to the point where it didn't fit our, our family and business schedule anymore. Kind of being the, the schedule being dictated to us didn't work anymore for, for what we had going on here at the shop. And, you know, when, when the, the bracket racing stuff just took off in the last few years, um, it was a, it was a perfect fit for Justin and I to, to look at and go, okay, we, we can go when we want to go. We, and we can, you know, if it doesn't work cause we're too busy at the shop or we got something else going on, we don't, we don't need to feel like we have to. Um, so we've got, uh, we've got my one, my one dragster. Well, we've only got one dragster dragster left. I kind of shake my head when I look around my shop, cause for so many years we had three and four dragsters and a couple of roadsters <laughs> and a truck and we just had cars and stuff everywhere. But I've uh, sold all the top dragster stuff and all the pro the pro charger motors and things like that. Much uh, I can kick myself for it a little bit sometimes because I enjoyed those so much. <laughs> but uh, but at the same time, it, it it wasn't the right way to go with the path we're going down now. So we've we've got our dragster that uh, it's a 450 440 car that that I'll drive. I'm I'm sure quite a bit. Justin, uh, well the the Corvette Roadster that we've had for so many years that we ran in Super Gas and now he's he's driving at the bracket races. Uh, it's currently down in Florida. At, uh, Duran's fixing that up after his little mishap he had there in Georgia at the, at the million, but uh, it'll be back as beautiful as it ever was here in a couple of weeks. And um, then I've got actually a new roadster that, that, that Travis and the guys at American are actually building me a, a new Camaro roadster. So it, it'll, it'll be out before too terribly long and, and I'll probably end up with another dragster too. So we'll, we'll be out and about for sure. Well, that's awesome. We look forward to seeing you guys out at the races and, and certainly out there competing, wearing the, the family, logo and uh and we know your stuff is going to be as beautiful as as it ever has been jaron imagine that customs he, he does your you guys paint schemes and man it's always top notch so shout out to uh, itc as well and look forward to seeing you and justin again out there competing in the family hot rods guys as we close obviously you, you there's a there's a message here to the listeners that that might not have that I might not have delivered the right way so what do you want the the listener to hear about this relationship Luke what message do you have for the listeners um I think the biggest thing from my end is just to reassure our listeners like I'm not I'm not here to sell you anything and with motion engineering products like I don't think I need to the quality products 
it's unmatched customer service. And by and large, like the, the need that, that they fill, you don't need their products until you need their products, right? And so we're simply going to align to maintain recognition of the Mosher brand and loyalty to it. The idea being that when you do need a set of axles, a, a third member, a brake kit, whether it's as a replacement or as a new build, that Mosher Engineering is the manufacturer that kind of comes to top of mind. Yeah, great message. And, you know, this is this is the company that that you're going to be sharing the lanes with. It's the people you're going to be sharing the pits with. Um, it's a natural uh, it's a natural tie in for the, the racing community to look to the Moser brand. Uh, obviously, it's unmatched in its quality, but certainly these guys are with you. They're doing what you're doing, which says a lot about them. Rob, same question to you. If there's a message in there that, that I didn't get across very clearly or that you wanted to say, what message is that for the listener? Well, I, I think the customer service side of it is is one of the biggest things. And like Luke said, you you don't need us until you until you need us. And then you know when we're at the racetrack, then you really really need us. And uh, <laughs> when you know when we're at the bracket races, obviously Justin and I and and our crew, crew chief Rocky, uh, we've got a trailer full of parts. Um, the Cummingses have trailers full of parts. We've got all kinds of stuff to to make sure other people can race because that's that, that's kind of our thing. You know, we want to be there and we want to race, but we want to also make sure everybody else can keep racing. Uh, if something goes wrong and we weren't filling that, filling that hole at the NHRA, at the NHRA races anymore. And, and Luke's, you know, on top of being an incredible racer, great family, uh, and, you know, just top notch operation all around. Uh, he's, he's going to fill the hole that from a customer service standpoint for us, that, uh, that, that we weren't filling there, there wasn't somebody there that somebody could talk to. And, you know, I know that Luke will have brake parts and center section, you know, some center sections and things like that, that if, if people need us, when they need us, Luke will be there. Well, that's awesome for you guys to have that presence out there. And again, uh, being represented at a championship level, uh, like you deserve to be represented at it's a, it's a natural marriage. It's a great partnership. And we look forward to seeing both sides out there, uh, getting value out of this relationship. And, you know, the, the one thing I want the customers to know it wasn't my place to really deliver a message here, but you guys, your, your service in a, in a world where supply chain and parts and pieces, just holding things up all the time. And I know you've experienced plenty of that as well, because it's, it's just natural that that's going to take place in the world you live in, but your, your service and your turnaround and your, your ability to get parts out quickly is unmatched. And certainly uh, customers that, that haven't been using you or doing themselves an injustice again, because uh, you guys can not only offer the great products that we need, you offer them at a great price and you, you offer them at a very quick turnaround. So um, as a racer, I definitely appreciate that about you and your team is, is how quickly you guys can get the racers served. Well, thank you, Jed. I, I appreciate that. That's, that my dad started that as, as kind of the foundation that, that we're going to get this stuff out in two days. And, and you're right. The supply chain issues have, have created some, some problems here, here and there, but uh, we make so much of our own stuff in house that, that we've been able to, to battle through it. And, and, you know, a set of axles still leaves the shop in two days. So no, no matter what the supply chain's got going on. So we've, we've been able to hold on to that because we hold that so, so near and dear to our hearts. And, and we, we absolutely intend to continue that. 
Well, that's pretty awesome. Uh, definitely. We appreciate that as racers. So guys, congrats. I don't know who I'm happier for, but uh, definitely both of you getting a lot of benefit out of this relationship. And we look forward to seeing this over the next two years and in, in, in beyond if that's the case but certainly happy for both sides luke rob you guys uh i know you're happy for one another and this is going to be a wonderful wonderful partnership so we wish you tons of luck on both sides no thank you sir i appreciate it greatly yeah i couldn't be happier for rob he's in a great spot i'm pretty excited to see the Mosher car with the one on the scoop i will say that <laughs> <laughs> yeah not too bad to get with number one not a bad deal all right guys congrats look forward to seeing it play out on the racetrack thank you all right obviously some good discussion there luke about the the partnership with moser but now it's time to talk uh, just a little bit about racing. Obviously, there's not this this time of year. There's not a whole lot of on track stuff to discuss, but uh, I'm pretty close to a situation that's that's gotten a lot of attention here of late, probably in the last three to four weeks, really big time. And there's a couple of things, Luke, I want to talk about, and uh, certainly want to get your thoughts if you got any on electric cars first. Now. I don't know if you've seen it. Loose Rocker has uh, banned electric cars from participating in their events, regardless of top bulb, bottom bulb, whatever. Um, you know, and obviously we're talking about Teslas and there's a, there's a couple other cars you might see at the track uh, that are electric that, that don't bear the name Tesla. But basically the Teslas that are coming to the track, there's a, there's a general consensus out there that these cars have a competitive advantage, obviously, because they work off of battery power and electric motor and the the car does not fall victim to the changes in atmosphere that a naturally aspirated car would fall victim to in a lot of cases. So Loose Rockers banned them, Luke, and said that you can't participate in our events with this type vehicle. I don't know if you've had uh, you know, an opportunity to to dive into that world and look at it very much. But what do you think about that? What What are your thoughts on banning electric cars? Not necessarily Lewis Rocker's decision, but just banning them in general. I'll plead ignorance a little bit, Jed. Like I don't, I don't feel like I've got enough background, enough knowledge. Haven't even raced with enough uh, electric cars to really weigh in one way or the other. Like I could. Uh, I could gas bag like a lot of the keyboard heroes do and act like I know a lot. Um, in truth, I don't. The The limited input that I have received has been mainly from the junior dragster com community. Um, I know that there's an electric version of a junior dragster that's been gaining popularity for the last couple of years. And again, I haven't, I don't know, I haven't spent a ton of time around one to even see it, witness it in person. Um, but what I've heard is that they're really good. You know, I mean, basically if you, if you charge them to the same point every run, they kind of run the same thing. And, and particularly um, in junior directors, particularly in the slower junior director classes, like that's a really difficult thing to do. Um, so I've heard that, you know, and, and again, like I'm hearing from the naturally aspirated junior director racers that don't like it one bit. Right. So I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know how, how accurate that is either. Um, and then I hear bits and pieces of like a street driven Tesla's being, um, far more consistent than you would anticipate. Um, but to this point, like that's, 
at least to my knowledge, kind of the extent of the technology out there. And I don't know that it's necessarily, you know, better than the full-blown race cars that we're used to, or even on par with them. Um, now what that technology could look like three, five, 10 years from now, like I, I'm, I have no idea. Like I would assume that the, the tools are there to make that stuff insanely consistent to where if they were to be allowed long-term, like it would make the today's typical bracket car at some point obsolete, I, I would think, but I don't know that either. Like that's just conjecture on my part. I feel like you've got a little bit more hands-on or maybe eyeballs on this situation. So what have you seen? Well, I do have a little bit more experience with uh, seeing these cars go down and, and being part of the, the events that they compete in, but that is a product of me putting on races at Bristol where you have ample charging stations for the few, maybe even less than a few, a couple that are going to show up and race with us uh, each year. So, you know, my first thought initially is that how, how are they going to just go anywhere and race? Because I get these calls ahead of our events. You got 50 amp charging stations, correct? You know, I think they can reduce down to a 30 amp and charge it or probably even a 110 and charge it. But the 50 amp offers them maybe a, a little bit of advantage and being able to get that, keep that battery at a stable percentage um, throughout the event. So I think just because I put on races at Bristol has given me a little bit different view than most people are going to have. Uh, and i tell you, look, Bristol's a tricky place. You know that. You've raced there plenty. Uh, that place will throw you a little curveball in uh, humidity and barometric pressure and whatever else affects a naturally aspirated car and its ability to continue to run a number. The electric cars do seem to be able to avoid those peaks and valleys in the ETs uh, that you get again, with a, with a carbureted vehicle. Um, however, I, I have not, although I haven't watched them super close, I've watched them close enough to see that they go too above, they go too under. They don't, they don't, I haven't seen one yet that just welded a number in the quarter panel and ran it. And that is the argument that a lot of people are coming up with is that these things can be programmed to run the same number every time they go down the track. Now, I have not seen that. Is it possible that I've missed it? Uh, it is possible, but it's not likely. Uh, again, I've watched these cars a little bit and I've watched them close enough to see that when they go red or they get beat, it's not a dead on zero run every time. They're, they're moving around while they probably aren't seeing the same, um, I guess, variance in numbers that you're seeing in carbureted cars, they still move around and you still got to drive them. So I just haven't seen enough to say that, that we're not going to allow them. But certainly when Loose Rocker uh, of a highly respected promotion team makes a decision like they made on them, it, it definitely piqued my interest and it's got me watching a little bit closer than I have been. Uh, as far as junior dragsters, you're, you're definitely two different worlds there. The, I've heard the arguments about the electric juniors, and I get it. You're talking about a world that inconsistency is the norm. Now, inconsistency in what we do every weekend 
is something that you immediately try to go fix uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and get ready to go back next weekend and see if you've got it straightened out. It's almost an expectation in the junior world. I've got two of those raggedy things, so I get it. Uh, they're, they're inconsistent by nature. So anything you can do to remove that variable, and if that's an electric motor on the junior and it's removing it and it's making those things deadly consistent, I can totally understand the argument to ban those because, you know, that electric motor would be an absolute competitive advantage going dead on in that world or anywhere close to dead on on a consistent basis is going to be extremely hard to handle. So I understand that, but in the world we live in and the races that, that, that we attend and put on, I'm not 100% convinced yet, but again, as highly respected as Loose Rocker is and that making that decision has definitely opened my eyes a little bit and it's going to make me watch very, very, very close and, and make sure that, uh, that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do for my customers and, and making sure that the, level, the, the playing field is as level as it can be. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to to have Michael on just to hear the reasoning behind it, because I feel like he's certainly more knowledgeable on this than I am. And, and knowing the way that they operate, I'm sure he's got excellent reasons for making the decisions that he has. I find it interesting, Jed, and we can just bat this around, like broadly speaking, <clears throat> we may look back 20 years from now and be like, do you remember when we used to run like carburetors? the hell right or you know i mean yeah remember when you used to have internal combustion engines like this may be the 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 wave of the future i don't know like how can you predict that i do know this um the the ingenuity within the racing community top to bottom is off the charts like there's some really smart people out here doing what we do and if this is is allowed like i don't have any doubt that somewhere along the way somebody way smarter than me is gonna really figure this out now to your point i feel like our cars are so consistent that there's not much advantage to be had there but in truth like we were probably saying that 20 years ago and look at how much better our cars are today right like maybe yeah, we're dialing point. to the ten thousandths of a second in 20 years i don't know right um I guess the point being that if if we uh, adopt this now and then someone or multiple people put in the time, the effort, the investment to figure it out and five years down the road, it's obvious that, wow, this is a better mousetrap. Does that mean everybody has to get one or do we then penalize the people that have figured out and go, okay, now that you got that, like we got to pull, pull the reins back in on this. We got to get back to what we know, right? I, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to predict the future, but at the same time, it's hard to retroactively mandate it once, once all the bugs are worked out. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and, you know, that's why maybe banning them now is, is definitely going to eliminate uh, getting behind the curve and making a decision too late. So Loose Rocker out in front of this and, and making the decision they made certainly has piqued our interest. And I'm sure it's piqued the interest of many more. And you're a, you're a bottom bulb race promoter now. You and John Moggins are doing a, a, an event in Kansas this year. And um, who knows, you might see a couple. So you might get a little closer look at these than, than you've ever had here real soon. But regardless, it's an interesting topic. 
it's one that uh, I need to get more educated on and, and certainly I'm going to uh, to do that and put that on my list this year and make sure I watch this closely and again make the best decision that can be made for the customers that support the events that I'm involved in and Luke um, speaking of you being a bottom bulb race promoter um, the next topic You've been in the middle of this one right <laughs> yeah the next topic is uh is the hand controllers that um, that racers primarily from the Northeast uh, are using. And this is all up through Pennsylvania and they're using them everywhere. Don't get me wrong. Um, uh, we got guys using them in Alabama too, but um, it seems to have originated in that area and it's has been perfected, if you will, in that area, which is, it's a genius product okay really is it's an excellent product and it it serves a great purpose um but the basically for those that don't know about it it's a it's a hand control with a cable that goes to the carburetor this controller allows a racer to have a preset rpm that they push the, the controller to and it opens the carburetor to that rpm it opens the throttle of that rpm and allows that RPM to not move. That the launch RPM, if you will, some people use it to stage with. Some people wait till they stage and then go to it and, and set the RPM to leave. But you have to hold the controller by hand. And it's the good ones are spring loaded that when you hit the gas at the time that the bottom bulb comes on and you're trying to leave the starting line. The, you let the hand controller go and it's spring loaded and it it does not once you let off the throttle at the far end it does not hold the throttle back at that same 3000 rpms or whatever the the predetermined rpm setting was the hand controller snaps back with the with a spring and it allows the the throttle to come back to idle when you let out so it's not an unsafe thing it's not dangerous uh, that was not the reason for Coburg Racing Promotions making the decision to ban them in our events in 2022 and beyond. Luke, um, I know you're going to have some thoughts here, but quickly I'll share mine that the reason the change was made in the rules is because we just feel like it's a competitive advantage to set those RPMs and not have to worry about them moving at all on the starting line. And it removes a variable that is extremely important in foot brake racing. Foot brake racing, the hardest task you have in foot brake racing is getting to an RPM where you can consistently hit the tree and hit it well and compete uh, for these great purses and prizes that are being offered in that class these days. And somehow there's people because it's it's the internet like i don't know if you've ever read it but it's it's an interesting place to go read material uh people are tying that to well, why do you allow electric shifters and why do you allow grids and well those are separate debates i won't call them arguments they're separate debates it is not hard to get the car to go dead on everybody there can go dead on the electric shifter is not a competitive advantage to allow you to go dead on the dial in and be better than your opponent uh, the grid is just a ignition box when you're foot brake racing there are a lot of things you can do with it in terms of of changing the 
car's uh, timing and ability to avoid, you know, traction issues and whatnot. But something has to trigger that, Luke. It has to be triggered by a switch or the let go of a switch or a wide open throttle switch or something illegal in the car, which we check for as well as we possibly can. So I, I don't, again, I don't think the grid itself is a competitive advantage in the world we live in. Yet the hand controller is impacting the most important part of the race, which is the starting line. And it's removing a variable that changes the outcome of the races. It, it's, it's plain and simple, it does it. John Siegel raced our first 100 grander last year, a year before last now. John was leaving at 3000 RPMs all day. He was in the semis. He went fourth out red in the semis. Well, later that week, he sent me a text with the video of his tack. And I think his tack was hovering just a tick over 31 maybe 3125 instead of 3000 where he was leaving and he was fourth hour in. Do I think that's a guarantee that that caused it? No. Do I think it's probably 90% that it impacted it? Yes, I do. And it, it could have very well caused that fourth hour in and gotten him the red light instead of the wind light to move to the final round of a $100,000 foot break race. So, the, the whole spirit of foot braking is to find your RPM, control it, even, you know, when the stakes are getting higher and the, the, you get a little bit of that shake going on in the leg or the foot. And when you remove that variable with a device, we just felt like it wasn't cheating. We just felt like it went against the spirit of foot brake racing and it impacted the most important part of the race. And that's why we made the decision we made. Luke, I know that that you're putting on a bottom bulb race. And this is a topic that you guys have discussed a lot as well. And I'm sure you got some thoughts on it. Yeah, I, um, I agree with you, uh, Jed, I, I'm not as passionate about it as some, uh, but I, but I agree down the line and, and specific to our race to the, the bottom of bottom bulb explosion in Kansas, our decision was way easier than yours because it's a, it's a no box race, right? We run foot breakers separate. So we didn't have to say like, Hey, if you want to run the hand throttle, you, you can't come. We just said, you got to run with the, the no box cars. Right. Yeah. So, uh, that that's, we've got handbrake and we've got foot brake. Right. So that's <laughs> the way that we look at it. Um, but no, to, to your point, like I've never, I've never used the, the, the hand throttle controller. And, uh, I think it's worth noting like this, while this has seemed like it's gained prominence and popularity in recent years like this isn't new i think i was introduced to one of these at a at a school that that peter biondo and i did at atco like 10 years ago and i thought wow like who came up with this right and at the yeah. same time i thought i don't know how i feel about that but if they're allowing i'm like that's cool right you gotta have one um <laughs> it's a genius idea <laughs> it is no it's brilliant um and and having never run one like i can't speak to like the the parallel that i draw is the the people that 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 push to release on the top right and, and talk about how much of an advantage it is because um you you have you don't have to worry about how hard you're pressing the button and, and getting that physical attention but then inevitably like someone asks well if you're not thinking about button pressure like are you thinking about how far your thumb is from the button like the the, the air gap right and the, so that gets into your head so i don't yeah. know like 
when you activate the hand throttle, like, what do you do with your foot? Like, can you feel that? Are you resting against that? Do you, you know what I mean? Like there may be variables to this that I'm not thinking about, I but think so. what, what I can say is in our part of the country, Jed, the little bit that I do get to, to bottom ball brace, I do a lot of, of both, right? Like trans break off the bottom and foot break off the bottom. And I'm not at this point in my life, like I am very mediocre at best off the bottom. Right. So I'm not the guy to say like, Oh, well, I'm way better. Like, like I can look at my logbook from one or the other. And I, I pretty much suck either way. Like I, I can't tell a huge difference, but I'll just say from a driving standpoint, I am considerably more comfortable when I can set the trans brake on the bottom, put it on the chip, just because I don't have to reference the tack at all. Like whatever I set that at is what I'm leaving at. Whereas when I'm foot breaking, like it is a constant, I'm that guy, super OCD, like I'll bring it up pre-staged, I'll bump in and I will reference the tack like eight times by the time that I say, I had moved it, had moved it, had moved it. And then obviously once I stage, I'm focused on the tree, but I'm still hearing that. And I'm feeling like, oh God, you're dropping it a little bit. Like I'm, it's something that I'm constantly thinking about now to your point about like seagulls run in my experience. And obviously this varies from car to car. And this is testing it with the delay box where I'm way more confident, right? Like it's give or take in my experience, like 3000 of a second to a hundred RPM, 3000 of a second reaction time to hundred RPM change. And I'll be completely transparent. I'm not good enough on the bottom to tell you that difference. There are some that are. Like you could put, you could let me trans break off the bottom and just be on a rotating chip that moves like 400 RPM. And I'd never know. I'd be like, yeah, I moved 200, sir. Like that's, <laughs> that's very typical. Right. But I can say just from a, a mentality standpoint, like it is something that I think about foot breaking that with the hand controller, like you just eliminate that. And I do, I have, for that reason, if no other, I have to agree with you. Like, I do feel like it is a, a competitive advantage. Now, how, how significant a competitive advantage? I don't know, but, but I do think that it's a competitive advantage and, and I would side with you. Like I, I think ultimately for the purposes of, of foot brake racing. And I think the, 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 what's the word that I'm looking for? The, the nature of foot brake racing, like the, the soul of foot brake racing. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think that this belongs in it. Yeah, and I think that's that is beginning to be the the consensus across at least the southeast, Luke. And you know, it's certainly something we don't see much of down here. So when when racers do see it, they uh, they tend to have a, a lot of different opinions about it, and mostly none of them good. Um, and now Loose Rocker has also made the decision to ban them at their events, uh, which. You know, again, we we've stayed fairly consistent in our rules, um, so that's uh, that's good to see that that those guys feel the same way we do. And again, we don't feel like anyone's cheating. We don't feel like anyone's doing anything wrong. We just feel like it offers a competitive advantage that uh, we just not sure that we should allow uh, because of the spirit of foot brake racing and the the part of the race that that device impacts. So. Um, there's a lot of, again, a lot of discussion about this. Um, you know, we, uh, honestly, I mean, hell, let's just get it on out here. I had people say we're stupid and, you know, we're, we're just flat mean Luke uh, with the, well, with I the mean, comments. have you guys, have you guys either ever argued with either of those statements? <laughs> no, no, I agree with it, but I don't necessarily need it out <laughs> in public. 
Um, <laughs> it's so, one thing when we say it, it's another thing to get uh, accused of it, right? One guy told us, said we're fools, um, you know, and really, and again, my response was, I think any business, regardless of what it is, it can be selling cornbread muffins or it can be putting on foot brake races. Any business wants to build around their core customer and the, the customer that has helped them build the business. So if if I've been selling sweet cornbread for 15 years, Luke, and I got customers coming and buying sweet cornbread, and now I'm going to tell them that my cornbread ain't sweet anymore. It's just regular old plain cornbread, but I still expect you to come eat it. Uh, I don't think that they're going to come eat my cornbread. So I'm building or trying to build our business around our core customer and what we think fits them the best. And that's, that doesn't make us fools. It doesn't make us stupid. And it doesn't make us hate anybody that uses a hand control. It simply just says we're trying to make sure that we create the fairest field and rules that we can for our core customer and the people that's made the WFC what it is. And that's all we're doing. And that's all we did. And I, I expect that to go just fine when it comes race time. But um, if you, and I know you don't get much time to do this, but man, you ought to, you ought to just dive into to one of those topics and just see the, the chat that's going on. It's, it's really good stuff. But, do you ever go to facebook.com? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, is, is that, is that's that a place? Is, is that where things like this are housed? That's a place where, where people can get it off their chest for sure. Whatever they're feeling, they get it off their chest. And sometimes it just hurts my feelings, Luke. But it's all good. I understand people's passion for it. I appreciate it and I respect it. And I just ask that people do the same for the decisions that, that Steve and I make for, for our events and certainly for Loose Rocker and their events. So good stuff, good chat, good talk. Um, these subjects are important to the footbrake community and by God, it was time we had a serious discussion about footbrake stuff on this show. So footbreakers, yeah, footbreakers, you got your time here today and, um, we're going to, we're going to be asking you to, to reach out to us on, uh, on our Facebook page, anybody top bulb, Hell, they, they told me Christopher Martin was at the, at the practice tree race in Baylorton this weekend, leaving in the middle. He was leaving on the second bulb. So we don't care where you're leaving. He got to the semis, by the way, in a $5,000 practice tree race. But You know, Fletcher was hitting the middle at the, the Guaranteed Million in Montgomery. You know what? I remember that. Yeah. That's just, so that's, those people have talent on a different level. So regardless of how you feel about it, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, I would personally, um, you know, from the foot brake side, definitely want to hear what you think about these rules, these changes, these potential changes, what have you. Reach out to us there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page uh, that you can you can put that out there for the world to see, or you can send a private message and producer Mark will snag that right up. All right, so we've talked to racing partnerships, and we've talked foot brake stuff, and had some real good conversation. This is possibly the coolest part of the show because this is something that I know is people are aware of, but we need to continue to grow this awareness because this could possibly be one of the coolest things happening in bracket racing, sportsman racing. We've got Ashley Thompson with us from This Is Bracket Racing, and uh, she's going to talk to us about. That this is Bracket Racing Driver Series. Now, this is an opportunity where people can win huge money 
by being the champion in their respective class and they never have to leave their home track. The driver series is back and we've got Ashley here to talk about it. Ashley, thank you for joining us tonight. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about the 2022 driver series. Yeah, thank you, Jed. It almost sounds cooler coming out of your mouth than it does Luke's. <laughs> so. thank, thanks, Ash. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited we're here for another year. Um, if you're familiar, last year, uh, two people got $10,000 um, and also were crowned national champions. Um, and they didn't have to leave their home track. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, if, you know, the top 10 people actually got something. So um, they got a little cash. Some people got cash and then some people got uh, $500 gift certificates from JEGS, uh, which is pretty much like cash. And uh, JEGS has actually committed to doing that again this year. So uh, five people from the uh, top bulb class and five people from the bottom bulb uh, class within that top 10 um, or top five will get $500 gift certificates. Um, so that's pretty cool. I'm excited to have Jags on board again. Uh, I think that really puts into perspective um, the level and um, of prestige almost um, sure. that the, uh, the driver series is. Um, so yeah, yeah. Tana. Tying a legendary brand to it certainly gives it some credibility that that it didn't necessarily need, but it never hurts because this thing can stand on its own, Ashley. We definitely appreciate the folks at JEGS and their contribution, but look at this. In essence, these racers are competing with racers across the country. You're competing with people that are, are racing in places you'll never go to, that you'll never see, yet it's all one big competition for $10,000 in this driver series, Trip West won it from Ardmore uh, last year. Brian McGinnis won it from Bremerton, somebody obviously that you're very familiar with. You know, that it just affords everybody the opportunity to compete for a huge purse without having to, to load the wagon and travel all over the country and be internet famous. You can get it all done at your home track. It's a, it's a genius idea. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely cool for someone like me who I never raced for 10 grand. So, uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy to be able to bring that to somebody, um, you know, especially living on the West coast and, uh, we don't get like those big money races that you guys see a lot. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty cool to see. So Luke, obviously this is bracket racing elite is something that you're very passionate about and you're putting your money where your mouth is for elite members. Uh, there's a bonus for those guys if the champion comes out of your group. Yeah, if uh, if the national champion in either category is a uh, is a current This Is Bracket Racing Elite member, in addition to the $10,000 uh, cash prize, they'll get a bonus of $2,500 courtesy of This Is Bracket Racing Elite. And Jed, I feel like Ashley was a, a little bit vague uh, earlier in terms of the, the overall payout. That's by design. So if you remember back to, to the way we structured this last year, like last year, we made a pretty big splash just announcing like, hey, we're going to guarantee $10,000 to the champion in each, each of these classes. And on my end, like I'm signing off on this going, holy smokes, we just, how did Ashley talk me into guaranteeing 20 grand, right? Um, 
And then the racer support was overwhelming to the point that once all of the tracks were, were, had started their season, we stood to profit and that wasn't the design of this at all. So we, we just added to the purse, right? We, we rolled everything over hundred percent plus a little bit uh, and, and paid out to the top 10 and then, or to the top five and then Jag's involvement made it to the top 10. So I don't know, I probably should have just committed to that right off the bat. But again, I wanted to see the racer support there. Judging by where we're at now, I think it's probably safe to say that it'll pay more than the $10,000 or it'll pay deeper than just the winner in each class. Like we'll, we'll have some funding for the top 10, like, and spread this around a little bit, but until the series actually starts and we know where that comes in, like we can't say exactly what that is just yet. That's really cool that you guys are getting that kind of response. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's understandable. Um, certainly uh, the racers that, that don't plan to travel can obviously compete for something very, very special in the, the driver series. But Luke, you know, we're always open for more participation. Like how many tracks are involved in this and how does a track get involved? I'll throw that to Ashley. She's got the updated list. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. So we have over 20 tracks um, and we, we want to stick around 20 to 30, but um, I love getting emails from racers and tracks who are like, how can I be involved? How do I get my track involved? Um, and pretty simple, just email me um, with the track manager or whoever their contact information and I can get in contact with them or you can even give them my information um, either way. Uh, but I love getting those emails because it just, uh, you know, solidifies why I'm doing this, uh, which is for all the, all the racers. So um, yeah. <laughs> Where does that email need to go, Ashley? Uh, it could either go to me, which is Ashley at thisisbracketracing.com, or we also made a driver series at thisisbracketracing.com, either one. Obviously, there's a small fee associated with uh, with joining this series and being able to compete for these huge purses. And tell us a little bit about that and the deadline in which racers need to be signed up. Yeah, so for uh, the racers that want to sign up, it's $50 um, per class or per category so if uh you can plan it for both the top bulb and the bottom bulb and that's fifty dollars each uh one time separate from any fee you pay um at the track um and you can if you go to this is racing.com slash driver series you can sign up there um to you know uh and you can always email me too to verify that you got signed up uh so that's that um yeah. Ashley. Ashley, I know that the uh, the <clears throat> list of tracks at this point in the calendar is is iterative uh, and, and changing, but do you have a list of current tracks just so the listeners can say, hey, like I could race yeah. there? Yeah. So um, Tucson Dragway, Extreme Ra Raceway Park, Big Country Raceway, National Trail Raceway, Ardmore Dragway, Virginia Motorsports Park, Winterport Dragway, and Maine. Uh, Grand Bend Motorplex, Lost Creek Raceway, Worldwide Technology, uh, Summit Motorsports Park, Lebanon Valley Dragway, Bremerton Raceway, Woodburn Drag Strip, the TNA Series, uh, Mid Michigan Motorplex, uh, the King of the Coast Series at Gulfport Dragway, uh, Bandemir Speedway, and Reading Motorsports Park. Wow. 
pretty uh, pretty wide range of facilities across mm -hmm. the country. A lot of people participating, and certainly room for some more if uh, if anybody's got interest. But what I heard there, Ashley, like I just went to a, a Birmingham Squadron game, which is uh, uh, our NBA G League. And I went to the concession stand, got some popcorn, a couple of hot dogs and hamburgers, spent 50 bucks. You're telling me that same investment from the Birmingham Squadron concession stand, I get the opportunity to race for 10 grand at my home track? <laughs> yes, that's, sir. That's incredible. I mean, it really is. That's a, that's a heck of a value you guys are putting out there. I just, I would, I can't understand why anybody wouldn't want their track to be involved. Guys, push your tracks to get involved in this and certainly get yourself signed up when they do and get opportunity to, to win something super special and it comes with a heck of a payday. I know there's some questions out there that our listeners have uh, kind of a, a, you know, a frequently asked question segment here, Ashley, but uh, how many races count towards the total points? Uh, six of eight. So your track is going to give me eight race dates. Um, which I'll post on the website so you can have a reference to look back to and we'll count six of the eight races that you attend. Really cool. So if I, if I do good for six races, I can win 10 grand for 50 bucks. Yep. Um, when does this get started? There's a point earning season. When does that sign up? Yeah. So for most tracks, you can still sign up. There's a couple that we uh, cut the deadline that are starting this month. <laughs> Crazy that some tracks are starting racing this month. Uh, but, uh, usually if your track starts racing in March, like if that's the first date, we're going to make the cutoff the end, the last day of the previous, of the previous month. So if you start racing in March, the cutoff will be February 28th. If you start racing in April, the cutoff will be March 31st. Okay. Makes sense. Easy yeah. to follow. Mm -hmm. now, I race in Alabama. So if my track signs up, you know, we got buybacks down here and I love to buy back. So if I'm entered and I, I have to buy back, do I earn points after I buy back if I'm winning rounds after that? Good question. Unfortunately, no, you do not. Uh, that's just to make it fair across all tracks. Uh, some tracks don't have buybacks, so it wouldn't be fair to them. Um, if they lost for, uh, first round and didn't have that opportunity to um, earn points after. Okay, very cool. So you, you basically, for lack of a better term, you get a true winner at the end of this thing. Everybody's yeah, right. competing when, on the same rules, regardless of your tracks rules. I like it. Mm -hmm. What about double entries? What if, I, if I've got two entries that I'm racing locally here every week? Uh, double entries. So like two cars in one class, is that... Yep. Yeah, I've just, so, yeah, I've got two, I'm running two different numbers for whatever reason. Okay, yeah. So we'll count the first car that you staged that round. That'll okay. be your run. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what if there's a couple of tracks in my region that are part of the driver series and I'm running their, you know, I've figured out when, when the driver series points happens at each and I'm running multiple tracks. How does that work? So you can only have one entry in each category. So theoretically you could race top bulb at one track and bottom bulb at another, but you can't race top bulb at two tracks. Okay. Can't compete with myself. Essentially. Right, okay. Exactly. I like that. I like that. Seems fair. Um, what about uh, if I want to run the top and the bottom at my local track? Can I, can I get points in both classes that way? 
definitely. Yeah. If you pay the 50 bucks to us for the top bulb category and the bottom bulb. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Let me get my pencil here. So I make sure <laughs> I get all this down, but how do I sign up as a racer? If I want to get signed up for this, what do I do? Uh, so if you go to this is bracketracing.com slash driver series at the top of the page, there will be a big green button that says sign up here. Um, on that same page uh, are all the dates for each track that we are counting towards the driver series. And if you scroll under that, there's a press release that has more of the rules kind of laid out for you. Okay. And, you know, we tried to think of all the questions that somebody might have, but if there was questions that we didn't discuss here, where can someone go actually to get more information about the driver series? You can email me at driverseries.com or sorry, driverseries at this is bracketracing.com. Okay, awesome. Well, you answered a lot of good stuff for us, Luke. I, I mean, I don't think we needed you for this, but you're still here. So you got anything you need to add? I've got one follow-up question, Ashley. Can anyone not named Trip West win this thing from a track other than Bremerton Raceway? I mean, yes, it's possible. <laughs> it just hasn't happened yet. I know, yeah. <laughs> We did, we did in, in, uh, in 2020, both our top bulb and bottom bulb champions came from Bremerton, right? That was, uh, that was Kip Poole and Lane I'm blanking. Savar. Lane, Lane. Savar. yeah, Lane Savar, of course, yes. And then um, last season's bottom bulb champion, Brian McGinnis, also from Bremerton. It's like a statistical anomaly. It mm -hmm. can't continue. I guess it could. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, Bremerton's involved this year, so it could continue. Yeah, but, uh, we're looking to spread the wealth a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What I want to see, what I really want to see happen this year, I want to see somebody in a certain region do real well in their six races. And they've got two that they don't need to compete in, but there's a neighboring facility that's participating. And there's a guy there that, or a girl there that's doing well. And that, that racer goes over for blocking. I want to yeah. see. I want to see this thing get nasty and get competitive. I mean, it's ten thousand dollars. Let's don't play nice here. Let's get serious and race for some real money and join. I, this is bracket racing elite and get yourself eligible for that twenty five hundred dollar bonus. I could definitely see that happening uh, with Ardmore Dragway and Extreme Raceway Park. They're close enough where I think some guys might travel. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. And there's some nasty racing down in there, as there is everywhere. Yeah, so racers track operators, track owners, track managers, whatever you are, whatever your affiliation is with racing, get yourself involved in this driver series. It's again, if you're a track owner or operator, it's a great thing for your customers. And it certainly gives them an additional uh, incentive to come race with you, which we all need as, as promoters and owners and operators and racers. It, uh, it definitely rewards you for getting out to your local track and participating and performing at a high level to the tune of $10,000 if you're the champion. Uh, you know, it's, again, genius idea. Love it. I've loved it from the beginning, and I certainly uh, hope to see that participation continue to grow for you guys. And certainly, again, one more time, Ashley, if anybody's got questions or any challenges to try to get signed up or get their area involved, one more time, what's your email address so they can uh, get you uh, emailed for some information? It is driver series at this is bracket racing.com. 
All right. Very cool. Ashley, Luke, we appreciate you guys putting this together and uh, racers and track owners and operators. Thank you for, for participating. We almost got a little tongue tied there, but certainly hope to see this thing continue to grow and can't wait to, uh, later on in the year to discuss how this is playing out and who those champions are going to be. So thank you guys. Appreciate your time tonight and certainly appreciate the information about the 2022. This is Bracket Racing Driver Series. Thanks, Dan. All right. Well, that brings this show to a close, man. What a really good show. This was awesome. We had a little bit of everything uh, in this episode of the sports and drag racing podcast. And there were some topics that I know our listeners want to discuss with us. I know you want to tell us how you feel about it and what you think about it. So please reach out to us on the sportsman drag racing podcast, Facebook page. You can put it right out there for the public to see, which I prefer because I like to see what you got to say and, and get it out there for everybody to see because it just generates conversation, which we need and we, good things come of it. And uh, certainly if you don't feel comfortable with that, send us a private message there on the Facebook page and producer Mark will snag that right up and, uh, and make sure that that gets in front of us so we can uh, discuss what you want to discuss. Um, Luke, this show had it all. So I know there's a great list of, of shouts coming from it. Absolutely, Big Jed. Shouts to... Rob Mosier and Mosier Engineering. Rob basically said without saying, I think at one point that I could break an anvil. I appreciate him not <laughs> going that far, but I, I do remember like testing with the initial brake kits and bringing them back to Mosier Engineering. And they just, the designers looked at me like, what did you do to these things? I'm like, I raced. What are you talking about? Stop. Right? Yeah, that's what I tried. Yeah, I had to stop. And, and, and then into their, when they messed with making struts several years ago, um, they had to, like, I had to walk out of the building. They'd be like, that's that finicky, picky SOB. I'd be like, these things don't work. We got to do something different. So <laughs> I think I've tested his patience. So shouts to Rob shouts to, uh, we didn't even talk about this when I was up there, but like Rob and I are on the same page. Like we're, we're just not about that dragster life anymore. He's talking about, you know, I've got one dragster in the shop. Like I haven't known a dragster in a couple of years. Don't miss him a bit. I think he was being nice to our dragster listeners. Cause he, I think he felt bad the more he talked about it. He's like, ah, oh, we'll probably get another dragster. Right. Like, yeah, he, he ain't all about that dragster life. <laughs> Shouts to you, big Jed and them raggedy junior dragsters. That was, yeah. that was a personal highlight of mine. Shouts to yeah. you with the sweet cornbread reference. I, it took me a minute to realize where you were going with there, but the parallel was, that, I mean, that was awesome. That was a great, <laughs> is, that, is that a metaphor? Is that the word that I'm looking for? That was uh, good. That was good. Um, shouts to, uh, to Dan Fletcher and hitting the middle. I, I shared this. We had Dan on not too long ago and I, and I shared this story, but I think it was off air. So I'm going to hit it again. Cause it's one of my favorite stories. So way back in the day, right. And I'm going to age myself a little bit. This is a legit 30 years ago. I'm, 10 years old and I'm just old enough to be paying attention. Right. And I'm, and I'm sifting through the staging lanes at Texas Raceway. And I, I think at this point I'd learned kind of what a delay box was and about what it was supposed to do. And uh, so I'm peeking in everybody's car and looking at the dash. I'm like, yeah, okay. So he's running one Oh 50 and he's running one Oh 20. And I, and I peek inside the door of old man Richardson. That's Eddie Richardson. That's Scotty and Edmund's dad who was dominant when I was little, right? I peek in the door of his Vega and the delay box says like 495, 495. And just keep in mind <laughs> at this point, 
everyone to a 10 year old, like old man Richardson was a, was an intimidating dude, like big overalls, big beard, gruff dude. Right. Like, and, uh, so I would, I, I was not about to ask Eddie Richardson, like why he had so much less delay than everybody else, but I was legit curious. Right. So it took me a couple of weeks to muster up the courage. Finally, I come staggering up to him in the staging lanes and I'm like, uh, 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 Mr. Richardson, I, I, I just, I, I couldn't help but notice. Right. And he's real welcoming. He's like, what is it, son? And, uh, I said, well, everybody else has like about a second in the delay box and you, you don't have near that much. Like, why do you run so little delay? And he looks at me just serious as a heart attack says, son, they're all doing it wrong. Okay. I let go on the middle, the second one. Okay. And that's okay. the first thing that came to mind, Big Jed. I said, why? And he looked at me like that was the dumbest question anyone had ever asked him. And he said, because you never know when that top one's going to come on. <laughs> and you couldn't argue with old man Richardson in 1989, right? Like that's Still couldn't. All the time. Yeah. So <laughs> something to hit in the middle. Still couldn't. You still don't know when that top one's coming on. After I, I all these years, middle, I probably, I probably, you don't, well, I mean, you got a better idea now with auto start. Like back then you really didn't, but yeah, he, he made it work. He made it work. And Fletcher was trying to make it work at Montgomery. So it might, might be starting a new trend. Um, I threw that in the middle of shouts and it really, it really interrupted my flow and my rhythm. So I apologize for that. I want to shout out to the, the stupid fools that promote <laughs> racist. I, I like that. Guilty. Um, shouts to, uh, Shouts to, shouts to Ashley. Um, I've worked with Ashley. Like I, we literally talk every other day for the last three years and within two seconds, but this is so much more fun to do with you, Jed. Right. So shouts to you. Shouts to Ashley. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks Ashley. Uh, shouts to, uh, to Bremerton Raceway. And I mean, apparently the best racers in the world come from Bremerton. We'll have to we'll see that that holds true in 2022. Yeah. There's some bad folks up there for sure. So 2022 is going to be an awesome year. I have been known to hit the middle myself, Luke. Uh, actually, oh, you I, got I a story? No, I don't really have a story. Um, every time I've ever hit the middle, I was trying to hit the top one. I just, <laughs> just didn't get it in time. So uh, old man Richardson is right. It, you'd never know when that thing's coming on. <laughs> Good list of I shouts. I'm, I think I've been more likely to hit the middle when I'm trying to hit the bottom. But I, now that you say that, I've done it a few times. <laughs> yeah, too. yeah, I've done that as well. Uh, good stuff. Good shouts. Uh, good conversation. Great show. Again, reach out to us on the Facebook page if you would rather tweet us. Luke and I are very active on the Twitter. Uh, go check us out there. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Make sure you manscape. Get yourself all pretty up for Valentine's Day because I guarantee you, you stand a much better chance of it going great for you if you're manscaped than if you're not. Thanks for listening. We look forward to talking to you again real soon about more Sportsman Drag Racing. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer 
to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.